Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you and welcome to you. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are in a beautiful, wonderful relationship with Jesus as your personal Savior, that you know Him and love Him and are growing in your relationship, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that blessing over you this very day. Today in our Truth Tidbits, we are in the book of Revelation, and I want us to look at Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And I'd like to begin by reading Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, in the last few episodes, we saw the wrap-up of all of the tribulation prophetic things and events. We saw the wrap-up of the wars, the battles that had yet been unfulfilled. We don't know where all of them fit in the timeline, but we did discuss quite a few of these in detail. And we know that everything will be wrapped up by the second coming of Jesus in reference to God's judgment, God's vengeance, All of that will be done, and it will be done exactly as the prophets have foretold. We saw in the last episode how the dragon is dealt with. We have had the beast and the false prophet. We've seen that they were cast alive into the lake of fire. All of the Lord's enemies that battled against him have been defeated. And now we see that he deals with the dragon, and the dragon is imprisoned in the abyss, the bottomless pit for the time period of this 1,000 years. Now, verses 4 through 6 are going to give us details and understanding of these 1,000 years. Notice that four times in these first six verses of Revelation chapter 20, we have the phrase, a thousand years. Now, people debate that, but the literal meaning of scripture when it makes sense, the plain sense, don't seek any other sense unless you wind up with nonsense. The phrase goes something along those lines. The scripture's literal interpretation is the best. And when there's no reason to question it, that's what we need to understand. God's not trying to confuse us. He says what he means, and he means what he says. So when he says four times in these first six verses about a 1,000-year period, guess what? He means a literal 1,000-year period. 
So in these verses that we're going to look at today, we're going to see more about these thousand years explained to us. We're going to look at scripture in other places, some of the prophetic books, words of Jesus himself, etc. And then we're going to also get the details from what we're given here in Revelation chapter 20 and look at those details as well. Now, you will find that, and this is true about everything in God's Word, He sprinkles bits and pieces all throughout the Word of God. And the reason for that is found in Proverbs, where it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings or glory of all of the rest of us to search it out. God wants us to dig into His Word, to hear and understand what He has to say. So, he has sprinkled a lot of things about this 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the Messianic age, the Messianic kingdom, Messiah's kingdom. He has sprinkled it throughout the Word of God. But not every detail had been revealed prior to John's revelation in this chapter 20. Not everything had been revealed to the other prophets there are a few details that we get here in Revelation 20 that were not known prior to this time, but they are fitting and they are in agreement with all the words of the prophets. Remember this, the entire book of Revelation is the apocalypse. The apocalypso is what the Greek word is for revelation. It simply means the understanding and revealing of what has been there all along, but it's been hidden from view and hidden from understanding until now. It's as if you pull back a curtain and see clearly what's been there all the time, but just what's hidden from view. In searching the scriptures, you will find that there are many prior words about the millennial kingdom reign of Jesus, the Messiah's kingdom. Many of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, even Yeshua, Jesus himself, speaks of it. And I went into a great in-depth amount of detail in my series, Thy Kingdom Come. That's the title of it, Thy Kingdom Come. It is available in the archives on these channels. And I would encourage you, if you want to understand many more things about the messianic kingdom to come of Jesus Christ when he will rule and reign on this earth, we go into a great bit of detail in that series. It is many lessons, and each lesson is in-depth. So I would encourage you to check that series out. It is called Thy Kingdom Come. The Prior Prophets speak of this messianic age, this millennial reign of the Messiah King, King Jesus. I want us to look at a few, and I'm going to mention a few. First of all, Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, speaks of how God the Father sets the King, His King, on His holy mountain of Zion, and He identifies Him for us. In those verses, because the Father speaks to the Son and says that He is His Son. He identifies exactly who this Messiah King is that will sit on the throne 
on God's holy hill. You can also see the Gospels and Hebrews chapter 1 for more proof and understanding of this particular verse. I want us to look at a few of these, as I mentioned, and then a few of these I will mention to you. But the first one I want us to read is Psalm chapter 45. We've looked at Psalm chapter 45 in several episodes of this series. However, in this episode, I really want to focus on verses 6 through 15. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. That scripture is also repeated, quoted for us in the book of Hebrews, and it is applied to Yeshua, Jesus. I want to read it again. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from a fear. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also in your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing, they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. Hallelujah. So here we're talking, and this prophetic word in the psalm is telling us about the Messiah and his kingdom. He is Messiah King. Praise be God. In Psalm 110, verses 2 through 4, we've looked at this one many times in this series. Here we see his rule and his reign as king priest. I want us to look at a couple of places in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, in Daniel chapter 2, we have Nebuchadnezzar having this dream of this statue, and it has gold and silver and bronze and iron and so forth. And Daniel gives him the interpretation of this dream. And in verse 44, it says this, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So Daniel is interpreting this dream, and there will be all of these historical empires and this empire of the Antichrist at the very end, but the mountain of the Lord will be established. The Lord himself will be the one that crushes all of those kingdoms and establishes his 
eternal and everlasting dominion, his reign. In Daniel chapter 7, we've looked at this one quite a few times as well. And I want us to look at verse 13 and 14. In verse 13, it says this in Daniel chapter 7, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So here we see Daniel also prophesying about this kingdom of Jesus that will come. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, we see Daniel prophetically speaking about the Messiah coming, and he is set to accomplish several things. Some he accomplished in his first coming, but not all of them. These will be finished at his second coming when he establishes his kingdom. For instance, he will establish everlasting righteousness at that time. He will anoint the most holy place in the millennial temple that Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48 tell us about at that time. He will seal up or complete all vision and prophecies at that time. So Daniel speaks of his completion of these things. I want us to look at Zechariah chapter 6. In Zechariah chapter 6, I want to read verses 12 and 13. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. Stop right here. This is speaking of who Isaiah identified in Isaiah chapter 11 as being the branch. And we know this to be Jesus because we have the proof of it in the Gospels as well that ties to this. Continuing in Zechariah's reading, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. So here we see Zechariah prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, who is called the branch, being a priest on his throne, sitting and ruling in his kingdom. In Zechariah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, says this, Again the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor I am zealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, all men and all women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, 
If it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. I will bring them back, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. So here we read about Jesus and his coming and his ruling with his people also. In Zechariah chapter 9, I want to read beginning in verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a coal, the foal, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So here we see Zechariah prophesying about both of Jesus's comings. He speaks of his first coming. That's when he rode in on the donkey to Jerusalem and they hailed him as Messiah King at that time, fulfilling Zechariah 9, verse 9. But in 10 and 11, we see more about him defeating his enemies and establishing his kingdom, and his dominion shall be worldwide at that time. Isaiah tells us quite a bit about the millennial reign and the kingdom of the Messiah. I just want to read this verse to us today. In Isaiah chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, In mercy the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth, in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. This is speaking of the Messiah King, who will come and sit in the tabernacle of David on his throne. He is the legitimate son of David to rule and reign and sit on the throne. And notice it says in the tabernacle of David. Now, it's interesting, but it appears that the tabernacle of David will be the most holy place inside the millennial temple in that time. It appears that way to me from reading in scripture, but he will sit in the most holy place on his throne. Now, to understand the tabernacle of David, I do have an archived series on that called Beholding the Glory, and it is a multi-episode series as well. And I go into quite a bit of detail about the tabernacle of David and what that represents in that study called Beholding the Glory, if you'd like to check that out. In Isaiah chapters 24 through 26 and chapter 32, those give us a lot of detail about this kingdom reign of the Messiah, as well as many other prophetic words. I want to turn now, though, to the New Testament, and I want to look at a couple of special places there. First, I want to read in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, I want to begin the reading in verse 27 so you understand the context. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. 
Therefore, what shall we have? People had come and didn't follow him, etc. And Jesus had even made the point that it's easier for someone to go through the eye of a needle if they were rich and had worldly things and worldly affections rather than entering the kingdom of God. So Peter says, we've left everything and followed you. What, are, what, what do we have to show for it? What, what's going to happen? What shall we have? So Jesus said to them, verse 28, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So here Jesus prophetically speaks of 12 of those thrones that we see being set in Daniel chapter 7, earlier in verses, I believe it's 9 and 10, and looked at in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, and the thrones that Revelation, even chapter 20, where we are today, speaks of these thrones being set, and they sit on them. We don't know, they don't identify who the they is, but Jesus does here, and at least it's the 12 apostles. It may include even all members of the church, but he did speak this word to his disciples at that time. And so we know that, that they will be part of the reign with Jesus Christ, ruling and reigning and sitting on these thrones and judging him. Jesus has already spoken about it in the time when he sits on the throne of his glory, he says. Then in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22, we have, Luke's account of the last Seder, the last Passover Seder that Jesus is having with his disciples on the night that he's going to be betrayed and head to the cross to die for the sin of the world the very next day. And so they're having this meal, and there's this dispute that arises among them, and Luke gives us some information about this in the earlier verses, but I want to begin reading in verse 28. He's talking to his disciples here, and he says, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus is prophetically speaking here again about his coming, his sitting on the throne, and them being able to eat and drink with him in his kingdom, sitting on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Peter, we know from John's account and the other gospels accounts of this event that when Jesus took the towel and went around in the basin and went around to wash the feet of the disciples, Peter objected at first. And I want you to consider looking up this episode. I did a Passover Passion series back around the time of the 
celebration of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in the Passover season earlier this year. And this particular episode is titled Peter, Passover Passion, and the title of that particular episode is Peter. And in that episode, I show what this means in a little more detail, and I do encourage you to look that up. But in that account, when Peter objects to Jesus washing his feet, Jesus makes this comment to him. He says, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. That word for part is talking about a share or a portion, a division, a part of the inheritance, a portion. And so it was very important that Peter let Jesus wash his feet because Jesus has in mind for them to have portion and share in his kingdom. I encourage you to look that up. And that's what he's telling them here. You're going to be with me in my kingdom, and you're going to even be co-reigning, sitting on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Prior prophecies, these that we've spoken of, plus many others that we just didn't have time to reference or to speak about, give us great detail. But John fills in the rest. John fills in the rest of things for us, the timing, the people, and the activities. The details that we are given in verse 4 through 6 give us the rest of the revelation. John knew the other scriptures and the prophet's words. So God gave John the final words here to teach us and to show us. The duration on earth in Jerusalem is 1,000 years. It's interesting that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter records these words, that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and 1,000 years is like a day. He's not saying that a thousand years is the equivalent of one day, but he is saying from a heavenly perspective, a thousand years is like or similar to one day. And we know that this is the day of the Lord. This is the day of his reign. Praise be to God. We see positions expounded to us here in, in Revelation chapter 20 by John, that these thrones are set up. In Psalm 122 verse 5, it speaks of thrones being set up in Jerusalem, thrones of David. In 2 Timothy 2.12, Paul says these words, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So Paul is telling us here that there is a co-reigning of the people of God with Jesus, especially those who have endured to the end, those who have suffered with him. And then in Matthew 19, 28, Luke 22, 30, we already saw about the part or the division, the share in the kingdom that Jesus promised the disciples. There's going to be a position of co-reigning with him, a share or a part in that. The people that are going to be involved that are spoken to us about in Revelation chapter 20 
We have those that are on the thrones with judgment granted to them, the ability and the authority for judgment. This can include, of course, the great judge is Jesus. He is the king, the true judge. But there are other thrones also, and those Jesus promised to his disciples. This may include the entirety of the church and the bride, but it certainly at least includes the disciples and the apostles, according to Jesus' own words. Then we see the martyred tribulation saints, these same saints that had been from the fifth seal of Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and the same tribulation saints that we see in heaven rejoicing and singing the song of Moses in Revelation chapter 15, verses 2 through 3. Now they have their resurrection it is called the first resurrection. Now, what this section is contrasting is the first resurrection with the second death, which is the resurrection of the rest of the dead. And we are told here that those that participate in this first resurrection, the second death has no power, no authority, no exousia over them. The first resurrection, those partaking of that are blessed, the next one, however, will be the second death. And I'm going to explain that in greater detail when we get to a future episode here shortly. For these tribulation saints, they have special blessings awaiting them in this millennial kingdom. During their time on earth, they were hated, persecuted, martyred, slain, killed, tortured even perhaps. But at the first resurrection, at their resurrection, they are very much alive. They are granted this eternal life again. They are reigning with Jesus for a thousand years. They even have a position of now being known as priest of God, perhaps becoming part of that royal priesthood that Peter speaks about in 1 Peter chapter 2. And they are priests of Christ servants and ministers in his temple or in his kingdom reign. Now, the priesthood is after the order of Melchizedek in Jesus' millennial kingdom. This and the prophets give us the wrap-up of the millennial kingdom, this thousand years of Jesus Christ. John here finalizes the remaining details for us, the duration of it, the thousand years, the position and service, as we've seen, co-reigning, judgment, etc., and the people involved. And the subjects will be all of the earth. His dominion, we read about, is from sea to sea, from the great river, the great river usually being re referencing the river Euphrates, all the way to the ends of the earth. Jesus will be king, ruling and reigning on his throne. I encourage you to look up the Thy Kingdom Come series for more in-depth details about Jesus' millennial reign. But I want to close us down with these final scripture passages. I want to read in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we find in verses 9 through 13 a beloved passage that many people know. It's been put to music. It's been prayed many times 
over and over and over again. It's typically called the Lord's Prayer. In reality, it probably would be better called the model prayer because Jesus was asked by the disciples that he would teach them how to pray. So Jesus says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So twice here, we see two references in this passage here, in these two places, that reference the coming kingdom, the coming kingdom of the Lord. And every time we pray this prayer, we are praying for thy kingdom to come, Jesus' kingdom to come. And we are making this kingdom declaration. It is his. Verse 13 again, that portion says this, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's his. It belongs to him. It belongs to Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. And we make this declaration here. The kingdom is his. I want to close us out by looking at Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And then when we go on down in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, it says this, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. That's Jesus speaking. The response, Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. May that be our cry. May we cry out and mean it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. For it is yours. Yours is the kingdom, Jesus. And even so, come Lord Jesus. He is coming again, and he will rule and reign as king in his kingdom in Jerusalem on this earth for 1,000 years. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.